With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and I am joined by PFF's lead fantasy analyst, the great Nathan Yonke. Nate, it's roster cutdown day, so we're recording a little bit later in the evening, which I think makes this the, the PFF Fantasy Podcast after dark. Um, so how you doing? Uh, doing well. It's been a nice long day of trying to track down all these rosters and all the cutdowns. There are still three teams, the Broncos, Ravens, and Raiders, who haven't announced their cuts yet. Like We've still had uh, reporters report players who are going to get cut, but just not all the way down to 53. So have yet to figure out every 53-man roster, but we have slowly but surely gotten there. Nice. Yeah, you've done a really great job of tracking all this and putting it in our sheet for us here. But yeah, it's always weird. I always wonder like how it takes so long for some teams like the, the that news to come across when everybody else is so quickly um, that it's out there. But I, I don't know. Well, well, I'm I sure we'll get feel it like it's point. a competitive advantage kind of thing of like trying to get as many of the guys back on the practice squad as you can, because mm-hmm. teams have to get their waivers in by noon tomorrow. So that's when they have to figure it all out. So I think there were only like two or three teams that had them in before four o'clock. And then just once four o'clock hit, it was a wave of team after team after team. So I was hoping that I'd be able to get a little bit more prepared before four o'clock, but over the last three hours, it's just been go from team website to team website, get all the guys down, help out. Uh, We have a tracker on the website so while we're going to talk about some of the top news at each position if you want to see all of the cuts you can go to pff.com we have everyone marked down and also like within our system so spend a nice collaboration between people internally keeping track of our rosters and the people doing stuff on the website and me who's getting more involved with our projections now so updating all the projections and rankings for all the news as well yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, there's there's a lot to keep track of. So, um, yeah, there's I wouldn't blame anybody if we missed anything here, but it, it definitely check out the website because it'll be updated um, as news comes in. But yeah, you mentioned it. Like this is we're gonna kind of go over this stuff today. It's basically a, a pure news episode since it's a, such a big transaction day in the NFL with like hundreds of roster cuts and multiple trades happening as well. Um, lot to break down and and get into how it affects our beloved fantasy assets and what the updated depth charts will look like heading into week one. So um, looking forward to getting into this here. But uh, before we do, I do want to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, the good folks over at Fabric by Gerber. 
Fall is about the back to school and back to routine checklist. And the most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it easy, quick, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com fantasy. That's meetfabric.com fantasy. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash fantasy. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states, prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, Nate, let's get into it here. We'll probably break this down, I guess, by position group makes the most sense here. So for quarterback, we'll start there because there's only a couple moves that really kind of stand out. Um, The first one being that New England cut Bailey Zappi. So I I remember there was talk like early in the offseason that maybe Zappi was going to push Mac Jones um, for a starting gig, potentially that that turned out to be baloney, obviously, because now he's not even on the team. So um, he he performed well, the former West Western Kentucky product when he was in the lineup a couple of times, but uh, it unfortunately couldn't stick with the team here. So Mac Jones is the lone quarterback uh, in New England. Anything with this one that, that, worth talking about for you uh the main thing is just that they are down to one quarterback so they have to pick someone up at some time they also cut um lee cunningham who's been playing wide receiver and quarterback which i'm always looking forward to the point where he's gonna have that wide receiver eligibility and then actually get to play at quarterback at some point in his career so that'll be a fun week for fantasy managers if we ever get that but i assume he'll probably go back to the practice squad if no one picks him up but uh, they need a quarterback at this point. A number of teams cut quarterbacks. Um, Colt McCoy probably makes the most sense out of the guys who were cut to end up in New England uh, just with his experience. But it's just a little surprising that New England only has one quarterback, and especially with Zappi and how he played last year and how it seemed like there might be some competition. And now he's gone, so I'm assuming someone will pick him up. Um, a general thing is... Uh, We've seen a number of teams cut their third quarterback. So a lot of teams currently are at two quarterbacks. Uh, The NFL made that rule where you can have a third quarterback on the roster, have him inactive. And if a bunch of things go wrong, then he can still play in the game despite being inactive. So we thought we might see more teams keep three quarterbacks, but a lot of them have stuck with two. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a bit of quarterback musical chairs over the next couple of days. Maybe some teams pick up quarterbacks. I assume we'll get to some teams 53 man roster at some point tomorrow, probably, but we'll see how that ends up going. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And and, and like you mentioned, you, you, you touched on it. Colt McCoy also cut um, by the Arizona Cardinals. This one happened, I think, j- while we were recording last uh, yesterday. So we we didn't see it come in, which is unfortunate um, because, yeah, I've, I've been hoping that we get to see more Clayton Toon um, this season or like, well, for the first time anyways, but as a starting quarterback, basically to get that opportunity, right? Because Kyler Murray is on the pup list. He's not going to be back. We don't know what his timeline is for when he returns, but Colt McCoy was the, probably the biggest barrier from um, Clayton Toon starting uh, for at least a few games this season. The team did trade for, for Joshua Dobbs, um, but 
you know, no offense to Dobbs. We've, we've seen him play in the NFL. I don't know that he's like, you know, a locked in starter by any means. He, he did lose that QB two job on the Browns to a fifth round rookie, Dorian Thompson Robinson. Um, he could potentially be having flashbacks because that QB one job now in Arizona is also about to go to another fifth round rookie. Um, I think anyways, Clayton Toon. So Toon, he's been slightly better than Dobbs this preseason as well. We've seen more of him as well. You know, he earned a 62.0 passing grade with the the best game coming in preseason week three against the Vikings. Uh, He earned a 72.3 passing grade there. Only 13 dropbacks in that one as the starter uh, as well, but two big time throws this preseason, just the one turnover worthy play. Um, Dobbs in just his one game, he had 19 dropbacks, similar passing grade, 62.5, but we've seen less encouraging signs from him I guess in the NFL so even if he does start I I don't think that Joshua Dobbs that is I don't think that he's going to hold down that job for the entire duration that Kyler Murray is gone however long that ends up being um, Dobbs he definitely has more experience in the NFL but it's not like Toon is some you know super green rookie either the guy has over 1700 dropbacks over five years in Houston uh, as the starter for the better part of like four of those years. He showed a ton of promise over these past two years when looking at the stable metrics going from college to the pros. He was pretty dominant right up there alongside Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. They were neck and neck. Um, He just did it against like slightly worse competition in the group of five there playing for Houston. But um, I do want to highlight some of like his stable metrics here from college to the NFL. These are the things that we find find um can stick from college to the pros so if you look at his passing grade from a clean pocket since 2021 he earned a 93.2 passing grade which was third in this rookie class right behind stroud and and young passing grade on straight dropbacks so no rollouts or anything like that he also earned a 92.5 passing grade which was also third behind those guys Um, If you look at his passing grade on throws at or beyond the sticks at 95.3, which was second in the class, he limited negative plays. He had had a negative play rate of 11.9%, which was second in the class. He he led this rookie class in passing grade last year. He was second in passing yards last year through 40 touchdowns. Um, I think there's a lot of encouraging signs there for him as a passer and as a potential fantasy asset because he has some rushing upside to his game as well, which we saw in some of his preseason with 44 yards on three attempts. But this was a guy that averaged 6.2 yards per carry on eight and a half rushing attempts per game uh, last year, which totaled over 600 yards. So there's upside there for him as well. I know this is a big long rant and I apologize, but just some stuff to keep in mind there for like super flex leave league specifically when not if uh tune gets named the Arizona QB one. Um, I'll shut up now. Uh, yeah, it is worth noting now that with players on the PUP list, it didn't really mean much before, but now if someone's on the PUP list, they are out for at least the next four games. So we do know that Kyler Murray will at least be out these next four weeks. It also is probably worth mentioning that Toon has been on the roster a lot longer. So a lot more time to learn the playbook. So that probably helps him potentially for week one. And we don't expect Arizona to be winning many games this year. So they'll probably be playing from behind a lot, throwing the ball a lot. So that probably also helps your case for Toon being someone, especially in super flex leagues that could be relevant early this season. Yes. Love it. I'm excited. I'm excited. I was hoping for this one since like the draft. So uh, we we might actually get to see it come to fruition here in week one. 
Um, but that was pretty much it for the the quarterbacks. Let's go to the running backs here. Um, and you mentioned the PUP list because there's also a running back um, that landed on the PUP list or remains on the PUP list, I should say. That's Indianapolis Colts running back Jonathan Taylor. Uh, they did not find a trade partner for him. So it seems like he's actually injured because he's going to remain on the pup list and he's going to miss at least four games to start the year. So Nate, was this one, did you see this one coming as far as him staying on the PUP list? Uh, it was a little surprising since it didn't sound like his injury was a huge issue, which this could also just be a way of having Taylor sit out these next four games since he's probably still not happy about his contract. So it could be a mix of things, but as long as both him and the team are happy with him having going on the PUP list now, then that's fine. Um, this definitely isn't good for his fantasy production because it means he's not playing these next four weeks for the Colts or any other team. So at, at be moving him down my rankings uh, later tonight. So that's a big issue there. Uh, Zach Moss, uh, now hopefully he's able to recover. I would expect him to be the starter in Indianapolis once he's 100% over these first few weeks. If not, Deion Jackson has been the one starting these last two preseason games. So especially like if you've already had your draft and especially if you're like, trying rookie running backs who might not do great at the beginning of the season, but you are relying them for later in the season. Someone like Jackson or Moss probably are available. So they'd probably be decent pickups or if you're just drafting still and pick a lot of rookie running backs or a lot of running backs in committees and prefer to have waited on a running back. Then one of these Colts running backs is probably a good late round pick just to mix in since you can start them early, start the rookie later in the year. Yeah, I think like recently I've just been trying to get as much Zach Moss as I could. Deion Jackson as well. But I think I think you're right. If, if Zach Moss can get back healthy, he probably makes the most sense as, as the guy that would start. I know maybe he doesn't get like a full workload to the, his first game back, just coming back from injury, even though it was just an arm injury. Um, but I, I think he's probably the most interesting one. And we've talked about that with Kate as well a, a couple episodes ago. But um, yeah, the interesting situation here. That's for sure. I, I don't know uh, if after those four weeks, if we'll see Jonathan Taylor on the Colts. Um, it, it's it. I he's somebody that I probably I'm just continuing to avoid in drafts at this point. He just keeps falling down the board. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how far his ADP falls at this point, since it's still not out of the question that he gets traded later in the year. Since he, the relationship is so strained with the Colts, then it's either play for them and then try to go somewhere else at the end of the year they could franchise tag him but that's going to be a if it's already caused this much drama i don't know if indianapolis wants another year of this much drama so at some point they do probably need to trade him so i he's already lost value for not playing these first four weeks so they might as well try to trade him after the four weeks to get what they can. So there's a possibility he ends up with a team like Miami in four weeks or any other team that has a running back injury. So he could still have plenty of value for the fantasy playoffs, just not someone that definitely out of the top 10 at this point. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, we don't want more drama with Jonathan Taylor, that's for sure. And you mentioned Miami. Um, so why don't we look at what they did today? So Miami actually cut Miles Gaskin, um, but Salvin Ahmed is still on the roster. So how are you looking at this backfield right now? Obviously, Jonathan Taylor's not there right now, and he's not going to be there uh, in the first four weeks of the season at least. So um, we, we've talked about this a little bit with Raheem Mostert and Devin Chain playing later in the preseason, maybe staying a little bit further down the depth chart but how are you approaching this this backfield right now uh at the moment i'm still fine getting a chain late just in case he starts to do more later in the year and starts making some plays but right now it's raheem mostert and jeff wilson that'll probably be acting very similar to what they did late last season where one week it was one guy getting a little bit more work than the other. The other week it was the other guy getting more work. It's still close to 50-50. So there will be games where one of these backs will have a good matchup, but it'll be hard to know which week, which one it will be. So I'm not drafting much of either player for that reason, just because I don't know when I will be able to trust either of them to start. But for DFS, if you're still doing best ball, fine to have those running backs on the roster since they will have some good weeks. I think both running backs had at least two top 10 weeks at some point last season. So it's just pretty hard to predict when it will happen because Miami was changing what they were doing a lot last year and they could very well be doing the same thing this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely going to be hard to trust either one week to week. They're they're good, like zero running back, maybe targets for for play for for uh, fantasy managers that like to punt the position until the later rounds. And, and hopefully that one of those guys emerges as the clear starter, but um, you're most likely drafting them as, as your RB three at best um, for, for most leagues. So you, you'd probably avoid putting them in the flex at least early in the season until we see that usage kind of shake out uh, in Miami. But I th- I'm with you. I think it could be very well, just a, a split and, and very similar to what we've already seen from them. So um all right, we've got Miami. What else happened here? We got uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Um, they signed M- Melvin Gordon earlier this offseason. He broke the news that J.K. Dobbins was holding out, and uh, today he was released from the team. So J.K. Dobbins still not back, but what what are we looking at here for, for the Baltimore backfield now? Yeah, I think this is probably a good sign for Dobbins just because they were fine cutting Gordon at this point. They still have Justice Hill. They still have Gus Edwards. So they'll probably be the two backs to go along with Dobbins. Like it's been the last couple of years, as long as all of them are healthy. Um, it's a similar thing with like Cincinnati's quarterbacks where uh, they cut Trevor Simeon. So now they're down to two quarterbacks. So that's a pretty good sign that Joe Burrow is going to be fine for week one, because if they had any worry whatsoever, then they probably would have kept another quarterback. So I just feel like this is a good sign for J.K. Dobbins that he should be good to go sooner rather than later because if they had any worry that they probably would have kept Gordon. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. Um, Any other ones, at least among the running back movement uh, from today that you think is worth talking about? We had quite a few moves here. Oh, yeah, I think uh, Detroit and New England are two interesting teams in that they only have two running backs on the roster right now. Uh, New England cut uh, J.J. Taylor, Kevin Harris, Ty Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Detroit cut uh, Craig Reynolds and Jamar Jefferson, and I think at least one or two other running backs. So both teams are down to two running backs at this point. Definitely would expect them to sign someone at this point, and there were plenty of running backs cut. So um, they, I think it's just a situation where we should see who they pick up 
uh, especially with New England. I think it'll be interesting seeing how much of a runner they get versus how much of a receiver, since we think Ramondre Stevenson is safe to get all of that receiving work. But there's a chance that they bring in a receiving back. Uh, someone like Chicago cut uh, Treston Ebner, who was a receiving back that they drafted a year ago. Uh, Chicago let them go. Uh, Gaskin, another example that we just talked about from Miami, uh, even though at one point he was the every down starter in Miami, he was a little bit better as a receiver. So he's another guy that could go there. So I think that's probably most interesting for New England, where Detroit, they'll add a third running back. They probably won't see much playing time unless there's an injury, but it'll be worth seeing who ends up there because if one of the other two backs does get injured, we could see the third back get pretty significant playing time. Yeah, definitely. I would ex- definitely expect probably both teams to now add somebody. I didn't realize that. Yeah. New England went down to two. So it's, that's interesting after bringing in Zeke, but um, I mean, right now the way it stands, it looks good, obviously for Ramondre Stevenson and, and Ezekiel Elliott, but most teams don't just carry the the two running backs for into the season on the 53 man roster. So there'll probably be somebody that comes in there, um, but we don't know who yet. So something to keep an eye out there for sure. Um, Miami or Minnesota, sorry, cut Dwayne McBride as well. Um, he was somebody that I liked, uh, th- this off season. I know he was a seventh round pick uh, as a rookie, um, but thought he could maybe potentially push for that, that, uh, RB two role in Minnesota behind Alexander Madison. Um, he had some really strong metrics in college as well, but looks like Ty Chandler is going to be the guy there. Um, Kenny Wagner, we haven't seen him this preseason, so we're not sure exactly kind of how he fits into the mix, but he's always kind of struck me as more like a, like a special teams, like kick returner type. Um, so I think Ty Chandler feels safe as the RB two there in Minnesota. Oh uh, yeah, that seems pretty safe. And then speaking of RB twos, um, in Dallas, we did have Malik Davis get cut. So Rico Dowdle should be the RB two to start the season and Arizona, uh, Corey Clement, who was the uh, RB two to end last season, he was released. So, uh, Keontae Ingram, who's been the number two back for the last couple of preseason games uh it seems pretty clear he's the rb2 there so if you're in a deeper league or looking for handcuffs to your starting running backs those are the two to target there yeah that makes sense and yeah i think it's important because james connor you know he's dealt with some health issues as well over there in arizona and he's missed some games but um yeah if we can if we can get Keontae ingram as the handcuff there that is good to know um just in case because i think uh, james connor could be in for a pretty heavy workload uh this season as well all right, let's uh, let's take a quick ad break here, and then we'll go on to the wide receivers and the tight ends, uh, and we'll talk about DraftKings here. So college football fans, are you ready for week one? DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with can't miss with a can't-miss offer to start the season strong. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Anything can happen in college football. Your team could go from unranked to dynasty mode in just a couple of years. Changes come fast. The only thing that's a lock is the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Life's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code PFF. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code PFF. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 
888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Um, issuance, eligibility, and deposits restrictions apply. Wow, that was a mouthful. Um, all right, <laughs> let's go to the wide receivers that uh, saw some roster moves today. Uh, Nate, Justin Ross made the team in Kansas City. Um, I know he's been a favorite of a lot of Devi and Dynasty people uh, for a long time now, ever since his freshman year at, at Clemson, basically. Obviously, he's dealt with injuries, and um, and that included last year as a rookie in the NFL as well. But um, we kind of have an idea of, of the pecking order here in Kansas City for the, the wide receiver depth chart. We just don't know what that usage is going to look like uh, throughout an entire game as these guys rotate uh, pretty heavily um, depending on the situation. So any interest in Justin Ross here after he makes uh, the team in 2023? Um, First off, it's great that he was able to make the team after what he's gone through. So first off, it's good to see that he made it. Um, For me, this probably makes it harder to draft any of the Kansas City wide receivers because now they have seven wide receivers on the roster. Um, I'm assuming at least one of them will be a game day inactive each week, but that means we'll probably see six different wide receivers each week get at least a little bit of playing time. Um, This is something that has happened in the past couple of years. They've gone from either five or six wide receivers rotating in and out. So now that they have seven on the roster, I would assume that six will be rotating in and out. So that just makes it harder with to draft or trust any of the Kansas City wide receivers. There's a chance that one of them can emerge as Patrick Mahomes' favorite target. But until that happens, I don't see any of them being someone that you can put in your fantasy starting lineup. You can try them in DFS. Someone's bound to have a good game each week. It just could be one of any six players. Yeah, there, there's going to be somebody. We just don't know who it's going to be. You may as well throw a dart there until we can kind of see this usage shake out a little bit. We know it's Travis Kelsey, obviously, um, and then it's it's the rest of the company there in uh, Kansas City. But yeah, it was nice. It definitely nice to see Justin Ross make the team, and, and hopefully he can kind of work his way in there and make an impact in the NFL the way he did uh, at Clemson in that freshman season. Um what about Miami? So Robbie Chosen uh, and uh, Cedric Wilson were the, the the names coming out of there. So Robbie Chosen was released and Cedric Wilson actually reworked his contract. We've talked about the Jonathan Taylor trade. Do you think there's anything potentially having to do with that as far as reworking the contract? Or is this just another one of those housekeeping moves? Um, I think part of it is they wanted his contract lower. They also have uh, Christian Wilkins that they were trying to resign to a longer term deal. I don't think that they were able to work out a deal at this point. So that was probably also part of the logic in reworking Wilson's contract, but they were paying him a lot more money than what uh, they were getting out of him last year, at least. Um, Chosen is probably the most interesting wide receiver name that got released since he seemed like a pretty clear fourth on the depth chart. Um, he was starting a lot of these preseason games uh, with one of the starting wide receivers out with Braxton Berrios playing in the slot. Um, this just further confirms that Berrios is the clear third wide receiver in Miami. Should see decent amount of playing time 
but Miami last year did like to rotate out Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell a decent amount, a bit more than top wide receivers typically get rotated out. So we probably will see Wilson a decent amount, uh, Robert Crawcraft, Eric Zukanma is the other one there. So they still kept six wide receivers. So um, one of them very well could be fantasy relevant if we do have an injury to Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddell at some point in the season, but we could also see all three of those backups getting some amount of playing time rather than just one player replacing one of the starters where it seemed like chosen would be the one replacing one of the starters if they were injured prior to him getting released. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. And um, yeah, we saw like um, Trent sure hands sure field there um, work his way into the, into the, Fantasy, like at least some fantasy relevancy a little bit last year um, as that third guy, like for deeper leagues. So maybe there is somebody here that can kind of emerge. Like you said, maybe it's a Braxton Berrios or, or whoever, but um, interesting situation to keep an eye on there for those deeper leagues. I just, I just realized this one. I didn't see it in the doc until now, but the, you put the New York giants cut Jamison Crowder, Cole Beasley, David Sills and Wandale Robinson was activated off the PUP list. So this one's interesting because I think people were excited about Wandale Robinson after last year for a, a couple of games that we saw him kind of flash. There's still a lot of wide receivers in in New York to to kind of keep track of, but any interest in Wandale Robinson now that he's been activated off the PUP list? Um, It's good to see that he should be good to go for the start of the season. It sounded like they've been hopeful for that for a while. Um, the big thing for me is Paris Campbell is probably the wide receiver that they've invested the most in in the past year. So it's really Campbell versus Robinson for that slot role. I think Campbell will at least start the season as the starter. And it'll just be interesting to see how much playing time they both get. But there's a chance that they cancel each other out if they are both playing half the time in the slot and they still have four outside wide receivers so like Sterling Shepard, who's played both outside and in the slot over his career, um, he seems to be more on the outside throughout the preseason, which is probably where he will be. But New York has four outside receivers who I expect all will get playing time to slot receivers who I expect both to get playing time. So I think this pretty well shook out how we expected based on preseason usage, but it's still six wide receivers and Darren Waller could very well still be the one to lead the team in targets. Yeah, very similar situation to the Chiefs, right? Where we probably want the tight end first and foremost, and then everybody else is going to have their weeks, but uh, should be a pretty heavy rotation there between, yeah, Isaiah Hodgins, Jalen Hyatt, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Paris Campbell, Wandell Robinson. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm glad to see Wandell Robinson back, but that definitely kind of a wait and see. I'm sure Dynasty managers are happy to see him back as well. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they cut... David Moore, um, stick Trey Palmer. So yeah, so it's Trey Palmer, Devin Tompkins, and Raheem Jarrett as the other three wide receivers outside of Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. I know when we had talked about Russell Gage's injury a, a few weeks ago, we mentioned Devin Tompkins potentially being that guy that um, could step into the wide receiver three role. Trey Palmer has flashed like crazy. He's getting a lot of excitement around him. Um, and then Rakeem Jarrett's definitely there as well. So any who do you think it is, at least for week one, that maybe leads these three in snaps as the wide receiver three for Tampa Bay? I think it'll probably be Palmer. I was leaning towards David Moore probably being that player because he was the most senior of the group and Moore and Palmer were playing more on the outside where the other wide receivers were playing 
more in the slot, but they have Chris Godwin to take the slot role. So I think Palmer is the one who emerges, which is who a lot of people were hoping would emerge from the group based on what he was able to do in college. So um, this kind of paves the way for Palmer to be that wide receiver three pretty much right away for Tampa Bay. Yeah, it's such an interesting offense, right? Like if Baker Mayfield can be like as good as he was, at least it, with the Rams at the end of last year, you know, he, he showed some flashes that he could still be uh, a quality NFL quarterback. And and there's weapons for him here in Tampa Bay to perhaps do something and, and keep these guys all fantasy relevant, but it's going to take a lot of passing. I don't know that they'll pass as much as they did last year after leading the league in that regard. So um, we'll be interesting at least to keep an eye on, but yeah, nice to see Trey Palmer getting um, the potential start here for Tampa Bay now in week one. Anything else uh, as far as wide receivers go? Any any movement here that caught your eye? Uh, yeah, it's been catching my eye while this has been going on. Denver's made some moves finally, uh, including cutting Lil Jordan Humphrey as well as Marcos Callaway and also their running back Tony Jones. So all these former Saints that were going with Sean Payton to Denver now no longer with Denver. So Denver is pretty thin at wide receiver right now. Uh, Brandon Johnson is probably the very clear wide receiver three for as long as Jerry Judy is out. But if anything, I would say this is probably a positive sign for Judy that they were cutting so many wide receivers since I think it's just uh, Sutton and Mims, obviously on the outside, Judy, when he's healthy, Brandon Johnson's the main backup. And then Michael Bandy is the only other one on the roster who had a number 46 before. So it didn't seem like he was going to be someone to make the <laughs> roster, but um, that really limits the wide receivers that they have. So I, if anything, this feels like a good sign for Judy that he's going to be back sooner rather than later. I haven't seen anything about Judy potentially being on any injured list right now. So the fact that he's not going on, um, they would have to wait until tomorrow to put him on injured reserve, but the physically unable to perform, he's not going on that list. So um, we'll see tomorrow because tomorrow's the day that teams can put people on injured reserve and them only be out for three weeks rather than the entire season. But Denver's the big one. And then just going to go back to quarterbacks for a little bit. Baltimore cut just Josh Johnson, who seemed like he could be potentially the backup quarterback there in Baltimore, but that's not going to be the case. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I think that the Denver situation is really interesting. I mean, we, we literally talked about Lil Jordan Humphrey, I think yesterday, right. Uh, in the episode, because Jerry Judy was hurt and there were almost no other options on the team because they also um, had released Kendall Hinton. Right. So yep. yeah, I think, I think it does probably point to a good sign that Jerry Judy um, is potentially going to be back sooner rather than later. Maybe they have their eye on one of these guys that was released today, you know, maybe a Jamison Crowder or, or, Oracle Beasley guys that stand out as kind of those slot guys um, and, and could potentially be picked up on waivers at, at, in the next day or two. So very interesting. It's a thin, thin group there. It, it continues to be Marvin Mims and Cortland Sutton right now, but hopefully Jerry Judy gets back um, and and healthy because, yeah, he, he, he has that wide receiver one potential like we've talked about. Um, we just needs to get healthy here. So, uh, wow, interesting. Um, all right. Uh, so one more any... that I want to add, yeah, Indianapolis. I just want to mention that they are another team that cut down to only four wide receivers. Mm. Isaiah McKenzie is their only backup wide receiver at this point. They cut Michael Strachan, uh, Rashad Perryman, Jawan Winfrey, Mari Rogers. So they only have four wide receivers on the roster. Isaiah McKenzie being a backup slot receiver. So their primary outside backup wide receiver um, 
completely wide open to whoever they pick up off waivers or end up bringing back to the team, but they will definitely be adding at least one wide receiver in the next couple of days. And whoever they add is a starter if something happens to Michael Pittman or Alec Pierce. So whoever they do add is someone to at least remember in case there is an injury down the line. Interesting. Okay. So yeah, so four wide receivers in Indianapolis, um man yeah there there is a lot of a lot of names here to go through but yeah this is this is a situation like it's still a lot of this stuff's going to continue to get sorted right because these guys are either cut but they're not gone forever right they can go to new teams and get moved around and i know you know i, I was on a, a cleveland uh television station yesterday um sports for cle and, and we were talking about austin watkins who was on our pff um preseason uh team of the preseason i guess it was because he led the t- the preseason in receiving yards and he had like three r- really strong games in receiving grade he was released today as well um thought maybe he had some potential to stick there as a sixth or, or seventh wide receiver if they held that many but obviously it means potentially uh, marquis goodwin is healthy unless he was cut today and I didn't see it, but um, yeah, there, there's, there's some the interesting, team. he made the team. So yeah, he, yeah. we didn't see him. He wasn't healthy, but um, it makes sense that he would make the team there after they released Watkins uh, in Cleveland, but um, not somebody that I'd expect to see uh, be fantasy relevant. So we could move on from them. Uh, all right, let's go to the tight ends because there was at least a trade uh, among the tight ends this the, today. And uh, Denver was originally going to release Albert Ogwabunum, um, but they ended up trading him to the Philadelphia Eagles. So Albert O, it was, was a guy that flashed um, in, in a limited sample size a couple of years ago. And, and you know, there was hopes that maybe he could be fantasy relevant, relevant there in Denver. It didn't work out, but now he goes to Philadelphia. Um potentially to be the tight end two there behind Dallas Goddard. What do you, what do you think about this, uh, this move to, for Alberto to Philadelphia? First I'll talk about Denver. And I think this is good for Greg Dulcich just because that's one fewer tight end to compete with on passing downs with how good Albert O looked in the preseason, how good he looked in his rookie year. There was at least a chance that he could see some playing time. And especially we were just talking about how thin Denver is at wide receiver at the moment. Um, This means that he should see a pretty significant amount of playing time despite uh, the rotation that they'll have at tight end. So it'll be pretty interesting to see how he's used in week one in Denver. But then for Philadelphia side of things, um, I don't, I think he'll see some playing time early on. I don't think I'm all that concerned about Dallas Goddard at the moment might be concerned more long-term just because Dallas Goddard is getting up there a little bit in age. So over time, we might see Alberto get more involved just if he starts living up to his talent. So something I might be a little more concerned about in dynasty than in redraft right now, but I think it's just a good situation for him. I was kind of hoping that he might end up in somewhere like Miami rather than a team that already has a very clear cut number one tight end, but um, this probably means he's not fantasy relevant, but it might mean that we do have at least one more handcuffed tight end in the NFL because right now Baltimore is probably the only situation where we have a handcuffed tight end and Isaiah likely. So now maybe we have two of them. 
<laughs> yeah, good point. Um, yeah, that that's interesting. Um, and yeah, I think it it is it's it makes sense for Denver, right? Like Greg Dolchich showed a lot as a receiver. Um, Adam Troutman is there, obviously somebody that they seem pretty happy with. That, that another guy coming over from the Saints as well. So, um, interesting to kind of watch how that usage shakes out. We've talked about that in, in our preseason takeaways a little bit as well. But, um, yeah, Alberto. Um, still hope that you know i think the talent is there and 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 the ability is there so potentially if something does happen to dallas goddard that could be very interesting i like that um i like that call by you um also in new orleans uh they cut Jesse James, which means that Jimmy Graham, who we were shocked that um, he was still uh, signing with teams in the NFL, is going to stay with the New Orleans Saints, seemingly. Um, we saw him be making plays in the final preseason game as well, caught a touchdown. Um, does Jimmy Graham still have it? Do you have any interest in Jimmy Graham uh, for fantasy? I'm probably not too interested in him for fantasy, but I am less interested in Juwan Johnson. Sure over time because of this um Johnson who was someone last year where he scored seven touchdowns and that was the main reason that we got excited for him in fantasy um he was not catching a lot of passes he was not getting enough volume uh New Orleans likes to rotate their tight ends a bit uh they added Foster Murrow this offseason who already has plenty of experience with Derek Carr over these past couple of years so luckily Murrow has still stayed more as a rushing tight or run blocking tight end than a receiving tight end so far based on how he was used in the preseason but that is playing time that uh Johnson's not going to get and with Johnson's big thing being touchdowns last year uh Jimmy Graham is a taller bigger tight end who has historically been a very good red zone threat. So if they're if he's going to do anything this season, it's going to be catch a t- couple of touchdowns here and there. And that means fewer touchdowns for Johnson, which was the one thing that he was doing well last year. So Johnson, I still think is a good player, but I don't think he's going to see enough volume to be fantasy relevant this season. Plus Taysom Hill is still there as a tight end who said he wants to be more as a tight end this year. And they added new running backs, new quarterbacks, probably not going to be running as much with Hill, probably not going to be passing as much as Hill. So if Hill is going to do anything, it's probably going to be more as a receiver than what he was doing last year. Nice. Yeah. I, I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for the Jimmy Graham resurgence at whatever it is, 40 something years old. No, I don't think he's that old, but uh, <laughs> um, all right. Other tight end news. You did mention Miami as well as maybe a potential spot for Albert O to go to, um, or at least was, was a hopeful spot there because right now it's Durham Smythe and Julian Hill. They, they cut Tyler Croft uh, and Eric Saubert at, went on IR. So this is a thin, thin tight end group. I, I mean, Durham Smythe appears to be like the kind of clear cut tight end one, but is there going to be a relevant fantasy tight end in Miami this year? I don't think there will be, but the fact that they only have two on the roster uh, means to me that they're going to at least add someone at some point of time over the next day or two. So I'm curious to see who that person is. It could be an interesting name, in which case I might be a little bit more interested, but before definitely was not interested with who Miami had there, but knowing that they have to bring someone in at this point, I'm at least curious to see who that person is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hopefully somebody with the, with the receiving profile to get us a little bit excited for fantasy, but um, there's not much out there right now um, for, for the tight end position. So anything stand out, anything other, there's a couple other moves here, but anything else you want to talk about before we uh, we close her down here? 
Um, I'll mention in Pittsburgh, they cut uh, Zach Gentry, who was their number two tight end last season, um, saw significant playing time primarily as a run blocker, but it did impact things with Pat Fryermuth. Um, They added Darnell Washington, who will now be their tight end two and see significant playing time. I'll be pretty interested to see how the playing time uh, shakes out between Fryermuth and Washington. Um, the last two preseason games, Fryermuth has played all of the snaps with the starters, which Effie does see more playing time this year than he saw last year. Then that could inch him closer to being a potential top five tight end. Um, he was in that kind of range of guys that I've been typically avoiding outside of the top seven, but picked before a lot of these sleeper tight ends. But he is a young tight end with a lot of talent. The problem with him was playing time last season and that playing time was blocked by Gentry, who is now no longer on the roster. So Mm -hmm. there's at least a chance he sees more playing time this year. There's also a chance that they like Washington more than Gentry to the point where Washington sees more playing time than Gentry was getting last year, in which case Fryermuth might see less playing time. But I think it's an interesting situation to follow. And it's at least better that they have fewer tight ends on the roster now for the tight ends that are left since there are teams like Atlanta who have kept four tight ends on the roster, including uh, John Fitzpatrick. Uh, They cut Parker Hesse. So um, Fitzpatrick more of a receiving tight end than a blocker. So it's not a great thing for Pitts that they have so many tight ends on the roster since there could be more two tight ends that's that he's not on the field. There could even be three tight ends that's where he's not on the field. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out, but it could also just be a simple, they like having their tight ends on special teams plays as well. So we might not see Fitzpatrick all that much in the offense. Yeah. I think that this feels like one of Arthur Smith's um, favorite pastimes is playing mind games with fantasy managers. So keeping four tight ends on the roster to upset Kyle Pitts managers uh, is just a, another day uh, as the Atlanta head coach there for, for Arthur Smith um, messing with us a little bit, but yeah, this is uh, pretty much all the, that's all the tight end news. I mean, like you said, there's still Baltimore, uh, Denver, and there was another team as well that, that had uh, the got... Raiders are the, the only one that I haven't seen at this point, but Denver and Baltimore have released them while we've okay. been on this. So. Okay. So Hopefully Raiders come in and hopefully it's nothing to, you know, earth shattering that when we turn the the mics off here, uh, it, it's not worth talking about, but yeah. we'll see. At least I, you can always check Nathan's Twitter feed for, for an update there as well. Um, but that that's going to do it at least for the, the fantasy implications of today's roster moves. So hopefully that clears up some of the depth charts a bit for everyone to, to get ready for fantasy drafts. Um, and speaking of drafts, we're, we're back at it with another head to head five rounder here, Nate, sadly your winning streak was short lived. Um, I won the five characters uh, draft yesterday, uh, but we got a fun one today. So we've talked about doing this one for a while now, and we're going to be drafting the best MCU movies. Um, Obviously some great options here. You got the first pick. I'm excited to see where you go with this one. Uh, Yeah, since you were able to win by just picking comic book characters with your red characters, I'm like, let's do something where we both are stuck with comic book things. So it's a little bit more of a fair fight than me choosing some fun red characters like Mr. Krabs and that potentially costing me. 
I think with my first pick, I have to go with something that's unique out of all the MCU movies to just make sure that I have a well-rounded roster. So I think I have to get Avengers Endgame just because there's never been a movie like Endgame that culminates 10 years of movie storytelling in the way that it did and the way that I was able to bring up just so many little references that if you watched all the other movies, you caught those references. If you didn't, you didn't really miss anything, but just little things throughout the uh, ending fight as well. And I think it just stands out among, it might not be the best MCU movie that's ever been made, but I think it helps me best have a chance to win this draft because I don't think you can pick anything that's like Endgame or anything that you pick. I should hopefully be able to pick at least somewhat of a similar movie. Yeah. I mean, Endgame like that. that yeah. That was number one for me as well. It's just, it's, it's such a perfect, like, movie as far as like what they were able to pull off there and and what 20 something movies and they were able to kind of bring it all together there for that that ending and yeah i, I love endgame that would have been my top choice as well i think it, i think it's a pretty clear 101 but even if it's not like you said the best one it's still probably the best option here for the first pick um i figured if whichever one you were going to take i was going to take the other one um i can't let you have both so i'm going to go with infinity war uh i i think just as good as Endgame, arguably the better ending as well, where Thanos wins and snaps everybody into dust. Spoilers for for anybody that hasn't watched Infinity War, if you're one of those people, uh, one of the five people on the planet that hasn't seen it. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it, that that's a, it's just it's such a good ending as well, and and yeah, it just it brings everything together as well. So I I, I got to go Infinity War for my first pick. Fair enough. I think I have to. <laughs> there's too many good options here i think i'm going to go with thor ragnarok for the next one i think since there's just so many different kinds of mcu movies but in terms of humor i think that one probably takes the cake it's amazing yes it, it, yeah. it was in my top tier for sure I, I love ragnarok um yeah that's a great choice so you're right. It is. It is tough. Uh, it's tough to pick one. It's like picking your favorite children here, especially all the the pre uh, Endgame movies that came out. They're all really, really solid. I, I'm gonna go with Winter Soldier though. Captain America, Winter Soldier. Um, I think not just like a great comic book movie, but just like a legitimately great movie. I think even if for people that maybe aren't like comic book fans and like like a good action movie. Um, it, it, Winter Soldier has it all. So I, I I love the story there. I was never a big like Captain America fan. I always thought he was kind of a bland, boring character, but he he turned it around for me in this movie um, because of that uh, that movie alone. So I have to put Winter Soldier here. I think I'm going to stick with Phase Three at least for a little bit longer. I think I'm going to go with Black Panther next. I think the highest reviewed movie in the MCU ever at this point, and I think just in terms of so many of these movies that I'm picking and will probably continue to pick. Um, you have to probably watch a lot of the other movies in order to get fully fulfilled by the movie. But I think Black Panther stands alone as you can have someone watch Black Panther, not watch anything else in the MCU before or after it and still be able to really enjoy the movie and get the most out of that movie. That's very true. Yeah. That's a, that's a great pick as well. Damn. Um, oh man. All right. So, I got a list here, but I didn't order them. So I'm just, I'm just going based on feeling here. Um, I think I'm going to go with the first like post end game movie and it's Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, 
I, I I love Spider-Man No Way Home. Just the way that it brought together um, the like Willem Dafoe, Green Goblin, Dr. Octopus as well um, from like the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man as well, uh, brought all that together and then introduced like a multiverse and everything that it just hit every box for me. I loved uh, No Way Home. So that that'll be in there for me for sure. All right. So this is my fourth pick, I think. And you haven't picked Guardians of the Galaxy yet. So you're not going to be able to get Guardians of the Galaxy at this point. I was considering Guardians of the Galaxy or throw a Ragnarok at two. And I'm like, I like Ragnarok more than Guardians of the Galaxy. But I also knew you probably wanted Guardians. But if you're going to let Guardians slip to the fourth round, then I'm going to go ahead and take Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, God. Yeah, I, was, I literally have them like right beside each other. And I was kind of doing like eating mighty mighty mo in my head. Uh, oh my god all right so you got guardians great pick um damn that is uh that's yeah i can't argue that one that's that's really good um all right let me go with uh god this is tough i'm gonna go the first avengers movie uh, i'll go with that one um the the original one that that brought all the movies to the first phase of movies together um just kind of we'd never seen really anything like it as far as like comic book movies go we we'd always seen individual superhero movies but we'd never seen like a really good team up like that and uh yeah i think avengers the first one deserves to get in here in, in the top five there i think if we're gonna honor phase one with this draft i think i also need to honor phase one so i'll go with the original iron man movie wow. the thing that kicked it all off I remember seeing that in theaters when I was still in college, even though I knew nothing about Iron Man and really enjoying that movie and like plenty of times watching MCU rewatches of everything and Iron Man still holds up. And then you watch all the other movies in phase one between Iron Man and the Avengers. And it's like, so like people are <laughs> complaining about phase four now. And it's like, yeah, phase four hasn't been as good as phase three. But when you're comparing it to phase one, I, even though I didn't pick any movies from Phase Four, so maybe I shouldn't be hyping out <laughs> Phase Four after not picking any of their movies. But I think Iron Man definitely needs to get drafted after kicking everything off. So I will take yeah. Iron Man with my last pick. Yeah, that that first Iron Man, it's just it's so good. It's it's a perfect movie as well. I love it. Um, yeah, would have absolutely been my next pick. Um, yeah, it, Thor one and two are not on there for me. Neither is the first Captain America. Um, as much as I can respect what they did there, uh, they don't make the top ten for me. But it's between. Oh God, this is so hard. Guardians of the Galaxy two, um, because you took one from me, and and Civil War. Um, I have two Avengers movies already. I really love Guardians two. I'm gonna say Guardians too. Um, I, I I can't I can't not put Guardians of the Galaxy in some form on there. I I would argue it's as good as the first one. So um, we'll see if the voters agree with me or not. But uh, I I gotta get some form of Guardians of the Galaxy in there. Even the third one really, it's just yeah. I, I I'm I'm overthinking it because then I'm not I'm, then I'm gonna end up changing it. No, I'm not doing that. All right, there we go. So <laughs> I went Guardians of the Galaxy too. So you got uh, Avengers Endgame. Thor Ragnarok, the original Black Panther, first Guardians of the Galaxy, and the first Iron Man. Uh, I got Infinity War, Captain America Winter Soldier, Spider-Man No Way Home, the original Avengers movie, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. All right. 
that is uh it's gonna be tight that's gonna be a close one i think um but that is going to do it for the PFF Fantasy Podcast After Dark Edition. Um, thank you all for tuning in. Nate, thank you for tracking all of this movement today and getting it onto our sheet here so we can discuss it. Uh, and thank you to the Arizona Cardinals for giving Clayton Tune a realistic shot to be QB1 by week one. Um, Nate, the content is flowing over on PFF.com. What do you have for the good people this week? So shortly I will have depth charts for all 32 teams once I have everything uh, done with the last three teams and making sure I have 53 players on each roster and didn't add anyone or miss someone somewhere in there. So I'll have that out shortly, as well as updates to all of my rankings. Um, Projections should also be updated tonight as well. Um, Then in terms of content, uh, going position by position, going through all of the content that I've written so far this year between rankings, draft strategy, league winners, sleepers, and breakouts. So making sure those are all up to date with more recent information, uh, replacing players where if I feel like someone I had as a sleeper um, isn't as good of a sleeper anymore or moved their ADP up too high. So making sure I have up to date players for all of those things. Um, and then continue perfect draft strategy stuff. I believe I have a 10 team one and a 14 one updates coming out later this week. I already had my 12 team one done and I have other stuff. I think I have at least 30 to 40 pieces that I'm either updating or writing this week. So there's plenty to go. So anything that you need will be up on (laughs) pff.com. There you go, folks. Make sure you check it out. Nate is not sleeping. He's making sure that he gets all of the fantasy content out for you to get you ready for your drafts. Um, I got a few things this week. I got all my rankings and tiers articles updated from uh, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, all the way to the IDPs, linebackers, defensive backs, defensive linemen, all of that stuff is going to be updated by uh, this week. Also writing up uh, some of the perfect draft strategy stuff that Nate's done, but doing it for super flex leagues. So this uh, today actually picks one to three uh, draft strategy dropped four to six is tomorrow. Um, and then we'll have seven to nine and 10 to 12 also coming up this week. Um, so be sure to check that out. If you're into super flex leagues using um, I'm using the sleeper ADP there. So you can uh, follow along there as sleeper is one of the, or the most popular um, drafting platform now. So tomorrow uh, I am back all by my lonesome, bringing you uh, all my full offense plus IDP draft strategy. So I'm excited for that. Going to be lots of tidbits in there um, that you should find helpful. So definitely be sure to tune into that if you're into IDP or or maybe want to learn more about fantasy leagues with individual defensive players. So either way, give it a listen. And until then, peace out. 